Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week we are chatting about kids artwork. So last week we talked about art that we have on our walls and we were originally going to actually include kids artwork in that but it was kind of a bit too big with both of them together so we thought we'll do kitty artwork this week. So this is the stuff that your kids create and bring home in piles and piles and piles and piles. I think teachers get a kick out of sending (laughs) it's like some secret psychological desire to just bombard parents with (laughs) mountains of artwork like at the end of term when kids you see them coming out the school gate and it's not just the big shopping bag yeah it's not just a school bag (laughs) bulging but they've got plastic bags as well and you're like oh really Uh I still remember the look on um, Ethan's kindy teacher's face when one day she presented me and it was like she's Jen's really up we're, we're still friends she's really cheeky but she's just like standing behind Ethan and she's got this massive big plastic bag in her hand and she's gone to me, look what Ethan's made for you. And she's like presented and I could see the twinkle in her eye. I'm like, oh, you, you bugger. But she's like handed over this massive big bag and it was full of um, ice, you know, those ice cream sticks mm-hmm. stuck together in like crosses. And he had like about 60 of these things that were all aeroplanes. <laughs> so he'd just gone like hammer and tongs with the glue gun and these popsicle popsicle sticks and he just made a billion little crosses that were meant to be planes that all looked exactly <laughs> the same and he was, and he loved all of them they were all really special it was yeah it was quite funny oh. and I'm like thanks Jen thanks for that and she's like you're welcome <laughs> she's laughing at me oh. there is so much of it it's funny now that you know, I'm not sure what your experience is because your kids are probably a bit more creative than mine. But now that my two are 10 and 12, it's declined a lot. It is. Oh, yeah, significantly. It's yep. those. Mine did the same thing. Kindy yep. years, isn't it? Or like preschool, mm. first couple of years of school, they just generate so much. And the other thing is, I think it's not just what comes out of other places, but also what your kids do at home. And the problem is when you. Um, encourage them to do it and encourage them to you know um, get out from away from the tv and sit down and paint something it's not like then you want to go okay great you're done I'll just put that in the bin because (laughs) even (laughs) though you might feel like doing that you kind of want to encourage them to be creative and to do those kind of things so you've got Mm. to kind of act as if you you care about the product yeah and you know there are People, parents handle this in different ways and some do just chuck them out straight away as soon as they get them and others keep every single one of them and um, I think that there is a happy medium in there like I don't think you have to throw them all away and I really think that you know children are people too and having their creations respected is a good thing but obviously we cannot keep every single thing that they make without buying a second home to fit it all in (laughs) Mm. and the other issue I guess I come across as well for people is displaying how much to display where to display how Mm. long to display stuff for yeah so tell me about you Beck and your kids when they were younger and creating lots what was your kind of system to manage it um what I did is I bought one of those 
large artist folios each from Officeworks. So they're like an A1 or 2 size, A2 I think, and they're just polypropylene large polypropylene plastic sleeves with a handle basically and they're made as an artist photo they're made for like one or two pieces but I I could shove a whole year's worth (laughs) into that and it would just it expanded to fit and so and then I slid it behind the buffet in the family room so they had a place to go so the artwork would come home and if it was coming home in dribs and drabs then it would go up on the wall for a while or on the fridge for a while and then as other things came in, they would be replaced. And so they'd come off the wall or they would go straight into the artist folio. And then we would then deal with it after that. So like when they're little, you do get a lot more. And so you have to actually, I I found that I was dealing with or processing the artwork, you know, every term. And then after kindy and the first couple of years of, of school, I was then able to process them every six months or every year. And, you know, recently I think I did, we did some that were almost three years worth. We did it all in one go uh, because they just hadn't collected up as, as much. And um, Zoe never did any art in high school. Uh, Ethan did art and graphic design and he still does. He does more media arts now. But So he collected a little bit of art uh, in high school, but there has been not much at all. So it's been a little bit slower and it takes a bit longer to accumulate these days. So what did you have a system for displaying it? How long did stuff stay on your fridge mm-hmm. or on your walls? I didn't really have a system. It was more organic. So... It would only probably stay for until I got sick of it, mm-hmm. really. Like or if there was, or if someone wanted to display something, or I wanted to display something, and there was no room left, then something would go. So it was a bit organic. Uh, just had the the boundaries of that. It just can't get stuck anywhere. We did have a fridge that had a magnetic front. We don't anymore, but that we would put things on the fridge, and some of them would would stay there for two years, and some of them would stay there for two months. It just depended on you know, what um, what our moods were really. But most of the artwork didn't get displayed. Yep. Okay. Really. You, you display yours, don't you? Well, not so much anymore, but when they were younger, we had our fridge has got two sides to it, two doors, like freezer on one side, fridge on the other. And so they'd be like, a, they'd have a door each. <clears throat> and um, kind of basically it was like a weekly rotation. So we'd put stuff up as it came home through the week. And then by the weekend, I'd take everything off their side, give it back to them and say, okay, uh, what do you want to do with it? And it was unbelievable the change in just, with just a little bit of time, how much they were willing to let stuff go. Like if they brought something home that they'd done Mm. at school or at daycare a finger painting or something, if that day you said, do you want to keep this? It would be like, yes, this is, you know, amazing. Three days later when they've created another three pieces or ten pieces and you say, do you want to keep that finger painting from Monday? Mm, nah. You know, and it was just for mm. my kids, it was really the time, the longer the time went on between creating it and being asked about keeping it, the more likely they were to um, be happy to let it go. So... Mm. Things would come home and go on the fridge and then at the end of the week we'd clear them off and do a little sort. Both of the kids also have cookboards in their bedrooms so or pin boards. So some things that were still quite special and they wanted to display, they would then have the choice to put it up in the on the pin board in their room. And so there are 
both of my kids still have bits of artworks up on their pin boards that they've done or drawings and stuff like that and they keep them up in their room then and then it is up to them to see how long they stay up there or to put something else over the top if they want to um but it kind of took the decision out for me Mm. to after a week hand them back and go what are we doing with these things um quite often if there were things that they wanted to to keep but they were more of the Mm. same like I keep coming back to finger paintings because there was I remember there being just a multitude of them we would go well yeah there's this one's got some beautiful colors on it why don't we put it aside and we use it as wrapping paper um, especially if they were on big pieces of paper um, or some of them we'd cut up and turn into cards or cut up bits of it and stick it on the front of a plain card to send to granny or something like that. So we try and repurpose some of that artwork and that way they felt proud it was being reused and it was almost an easier way to let it go rather mm. than them see it go in the recycling bin. And then for them, they both had a big box at the top of their cupboards Mm. in their bedrooms and whatever had kind of gone through the fridge maybe gone on their pin boards and they still wanted to keep it after that we would put it in the box for them and the deal was once the box was full they'd have to go through it pull out anything they didn't want anymore we were like you know we're not going to buy a second box and a third box and just keep acquiring this box and they're pretty sizable boxes Mm. that is your mm. natural limit. So that's kind of how it worked at our place. One in, one out. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was inter- it's interesting how you said, you know, the, the longer it took for longer, the longer between them making it and making the decision. And then yeah. you sort of said, oh, three days. I was like, dude, <laughs> for Ethan, it's like three years. <laughs> he He's always been really attached. And, you know, my system involved, you know, like I said, when if it didn't go on display and not that much did go on display then it went straight into the artist folio uh, and then we would go through that artist folio and what we would do is I would say okay so out of this pile of artwork you can mm-hmm. choose um, three favorites to go in a display book so instead of like same as your box but a display book and so they had a display book each and they would put their f- favorites into the display book and all the rest would be photographed and then recycled and so we would do that every term when they were little and then every year when they were older. And Ethan would, like the first few years, so from the age of three to seven, I guess, he would howl through the whole process and cry and it would be quite upsetting for him because he really, really was attached to his creations. And I was pretty firm. I didn't, I, I always let him make the choices, but I decided how many he was you know going to keep and I I still was lenient though because I would say look let's get your top like three and then he would end up with top 20 after you know 20 minutes of tears and so I'd say okay well that's okay can we get it down to five <laughs> and then he would have another go and he would get it down to 10 and and then I'd say all right let's try with eight <laughs> and so then he'd get it down to eight and like, okay we can stop now we don't have to just pick out because he was a bit of a, you know he's a bit of an artist and he's a bit of a creative soul and and um and I wanted to give I wanted to 
accommodate that and somewhat without letting him have a free-for-all and keep everything because that's going to be a long-term habit that's unsustainable. So, yeah, so I would be a bit more lenient with him. So he ended up um, at the, you know, now he's 16, um, nearly 16. He's just, he's got two folios and he's actually been through them recently and got rid of a couple of things out of them. But he's got two folio books, uh, display books, and Zoe's only got one because she didn't really want to keep much at all and she's sort of not interested in her artwork. So for him, he would cry through the process every time. And then as the years went by, he got better and better at it. And and after he got to about year seven or so, he started then just saying, like just double checking that we're going to photograph them before they're thrown out. And then he would be okay with it and he would pick out his favorites and do it really easily. But I think knowing that they were photographed and he could look at them when he was little, as like he would sit there you know, with still with like a puffy face and red eyes and say, can I look at them now on the computer? You know, as soon as we took the photos, he'd want to look at them again. Um, as soon as they went in the bin, he'd be wanting to look. But then as he got older, he stopped doing that. So uh, he's he's got to the point where he now knows that it's okay to get rid of things that you love and it's not going to hurt forever. Uh, but um, it did take some practice for him to get to that point so uh, that's what we did so we didn't really use them as wrapping paper they just basically all got photographed and recycled in bulk I love the photographing idea because especially when they're just um I shouldn't say just clearly I'm not an art aficionado but when it's a painting or a drawing or something that you can almost capture you know a bit different yeah. if it's something 3d but if it's something that you can capture in a photograph, I really love that idea. And um, it's one of the solutions or strategies. And I've talked to the kids and we think we're going to give this a try. There's a whole bunch of places out there where you can send away bundles of your artwork mm. and get these coffee table books back. Some of them are quite expensive, but I've had a look at a friend who's done it with her kids and the quality is really good. So I think if you do your homework, mm. um, that can be a really good option. And for us, it's because these boxes keep getting moved and there's a potential coming up that they might end up going into storage for a bit. And it's much easier to store, to store you know, a couple of nice coffee table mm. books with their artwork in rather than um, big piles boxes. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that and we have, you know, because we have the digital copies of these artwork, we can choose to do that anytime we want and, and if I don't want to do it, then I can just get them to do it. Like if Ethan wants his own photo book, and he mm. can organize it, you know. I mean, I obviously I we would pay for it, but it's just something that, you know, I just don't I don't want to invest my time in and my kids don't care enough about it and they've got the originals of their favorites. But yeah, it just it provided the photographing provided Ethan especially with um, just that comfort that it's not going to be lost forever this little part this little part of him is not going to disappear forever and I think that was important we did take photos of the 3d things as well um, or videos but I liked taking a photo of the 3d items with the child holding it so I had Mm -hmm. about like I said at one point there were about 50 photos of Ethan holding a popsicle airplane (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with this a beautiful smile of pride on his face he was so cute and so there's lots of photos of him holding what looks like the same airplane but no they're all different and they were all very different and so you know we took photos of him holding, and it's quite good because you can actually then I would always recommend when you photograph your kids artwork that you take at least one photo of one piece of art with the child so you can see their face like have them hold it up in front of them because that also dates the artwork quite well 
uh, you can see how old they were mm-hmm. and you've sort of got a record of how what they looked like when they did that piece of art as well or that uh, in that era. Um, I've, I've sort of made sure I've done that a couple of times just to, just to record that cute little proud face <laughs> above the artwork. Yeah, I like that. That's a great idea. So, look, I'm going to divert you off track for a minute, Beck, because you've obviously, you've got teenagers now and like you said, they weren't always as uncluttered or as well or as happy at letting go as they are now Mm. so I'm going to ask you you've got a course coming up and I want you to tell me about it because I don't know anything Uh, really about it and I'm sure our listeners would like to hear too about raising uncluttered kids and what's involved okay I've been working really hard on a course which is going to be released on the 1st of August and you have heard me complaining about (laughs) how much work I've been doing on this course but I haven't actually told you much about it so it's called Raising Uncluttered Kids and it's a six-week course for parents that want to teach their children long-term skills to ensure that they don't uh, or to ensure that they learn how to manage their stuff and take responsibility for their stuff and that, you know, learn the skills that they need to let go uh, and also to manage their acquisitions and uh, and things like that so that they learn to have a good relationship or a positive relationship with their belongings and also so that parents don't have as much time and money and energy wasted as what they might do if uh, the kids didn't have these skills if that makes sense absolutely so what's involved so it's six weeks did you say yep so six six weeks um the first week is and i'm trying to remember because i didn't write this down before i didn't prepare um the first week is all about why 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 do we want uncluttered kids and it also covers a little bit about the research behind children and toys and how many toys kids really need and that kind of stuff. So it's all that's backed by science. Then we're going to talk about leading by example. So this is where the parents have to face a few of their own little cluttered demons. Then we talk about uh, managing acquisitions and making new normals for the, what comes into the family. Then we talk about decluttering and how to declutter with your children, how to teach them the skills, how to manage objections and how to do the whole process so that they it's a learning experience for them as well as a practical, helpful experience for you as well. And then we talk about storage, so storing toys and kid-related clutter, um, and in that will include things like the kids' artwork storage process and things like that. And then the last one is maintenance. So the last one is all about how to all of the different things that you can implement in your life to manage it in the long term. So um, rules and boundaries and habits and even the language that you use with your children are all long-term things that will all go into that module. So, yeah, so there's, apart from the introductory module, which makes up the seventh, there are six main teaching modules. And um, what I'm going to be doing is launching on the 1st of August and each week's will be released uh, a week after that. And each week I'll also be doing a Facebook Live. We'll have a Facebook group for um, people that are enrolled in the course where they can ask me questions and um, chat with each other and talk about their different unique challenges and things like that as well. So uh, that will be happening um, for six weeks starting on the 1st of August. That sounds really good. So where, if you want more info, where do we go? Where do we sign up? Yeah, you can go to courses.clearspace.net.au 
and that will have the Raising Uncluttered Kids course on there where you can find out a little bit more about it. You can look at the course outline and see what topics are going to be covered and um, see, you know, the costs and all that kind of stuff. So Patreon supporters get a discount. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you will get a nice big 30% off that. And everybody else, you're welcome to join Patreon to get discounts from ClearSpace products. Um, so yeah, courses.clearspace.net.au. Okay, fab. Shall we get back to artwork yes. then? <laughs> I'm more prepared on the artwork than I was on the courses questions. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of some of the ways that I've seen people manage and display larger volumes of artwork, mm. kids' artwork around the home, rather than just the usual magnet on the fridge. Have you got any experiences of how you've seen stuff? Um, you can get uh, frames that have rem- like um, an opening front. So it's mm-hmm. like a, it's almost like a case and you open the front and then you can swap it out. So it's glass covered and the artwork sits inside there, but then you can swap it out anytime that you want. Another, I saw another one that a friend actually made and she put it up in her house and it was a, a massive big fabric covered board and it was huge. It was like oh, three metres wide, um, maybe even more, but it was it took up the whole wall of, of her living area just about. And so it was a big fabric covered frame um, with a bit of padding, so it was kind of soft. And then it had elastic wound around it in like a grid pattern like dime, like a lattice mm-hmm. pattern, and then you should just put would put the artwork behind the um, the elastic in whatever places it needed to be in. So it would end up just crossing the corners of the artwork, and that was really cool. Um, I might even I might Google for that on Pinterest and put the link in the show notes because that was a pretty cool solution, and it didn't take it wasn't hard hard for her to make either. Um, I've seen people devote a wall or a a chunk of a wall, maybe a couple of big boards or something like that Mm. to kids artwork and cycle stuff through there also um lots of backs of doors like kids in kids bedrooms if they want to display artwork and swap it out quite regularly rather than risking taking paint off walls they might use blue tack or some other kind of adhesive and Mm. stick a lot of pictures on the backs of their doors so when their bedroom doors are closed they can see them all also inside of cupboards and cupboard doors and stuff like that as well so i think you just have to think outside the square a bit when it comes yeah. to displaying it. And oh. I guess like most stuff, set limits Yeah, and put the onus then back on your kids to stick within the limits. So if they want to add something, work out what they need to take away. Hmm. And, and they learn then how to prioritise. And prioritising is a really important skill for clutter management in the long term. Uh, it's something that they they need to learn how to do because if they don't, if they can't prioritise what stays and what goes – Everything stays and that becomes unmanageable in the long term. So, yeah. Um, When you were saying the cupboard doors, I was at a client recently and we were talking about uh, he's got on the inside of his wardrobe, he's got like a desk built in and then behind that on the wall is a mirror. And he wasn't interested. And he also had like mirrors all over the front of the wardrobe as well. So he wasn't really interested in the mirrors and, you know, he was – a 13 year old boy who actually he'll get interested in mirrors maybe in a year or two <laughs> but for now he's like whatever I'm not gonna look in the mirror so uh he's going to put his artwork um on that mirror just using blue tag and also he already had some stuff on the wardrobe mirrors as well and so that's another thing that that you can do is like those sliding doors you can actually put mm-hmm. put um 
artwork on those while using blue tack or something like that. So then what about if it's not something that can simply be stuck somewhere, mm. something flat that you can stick to a door? What if it's a sculpture or, or oh, a popsicle aeroplane? remember those. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say reptiles made out of egg cartons yeah. and toilet rolls and all those Pirate kind ships, of yeah. wonderful painted structures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess it's Any the same. Any suggestions? Well, it's the same process, isn't it, really? Like you – if you can create a boundary for a home for display, that's, that works well. And then they get moved on in some way either to a temporary solution like the artist folio that I used as my temporary storage. It could go into a tub that would be then later on gone through, photographed and discarded and recycled um, or it can go on display in a set place. So a couple of things my clients have done is had one shelf uh, on a bookcase that was for artwork uh, or shelves for in the kids' rooms, which is just for their creations. So they would choose a shelf. Uh, it would go up on the shelf for a while, and then when the shelf was full, it would move on to the archive or be recycled. And so I guess it's the same process, but I think a shelf or in the living areas or in the child's room is probably the best bet for a temporary display option. Have you got any other ideas? Not really. I think for me, I always just wanted to take away the guilt I felt when I was throwing out their stuff. Mm. And I think a lot of parents feel that is that it it comes down to them being the one who decides if it stays or goes. So I guess my biggest bit of advice would be as much as you can. And of course, this is age dependent, but try and put the decisions back onto the kids. So you set the limits And then the limit is the enemy, not the parent. So they can hate the size of the box and and you say, well, the box is the box. That's how much room we've got to store this. Or Mm. that shelf is only so big and we're not putting up new shelves. So you can hate the size of the shelf, but that's what we've got to work with. Um, And kind of remove yourself from it so it doesn't become a battle between parent and child about what stays and what goes. It becomes a battle between the child and the space that they're allowed. Mm -hmm. And then that just feeds into that... Um, good decision making and I guess talking to them through the process of letting go and you know taking photos if that makes it easier but also saying you know by next week you will have made something else new that you want to display and you won't miss this one so much yeah so and they'll learn that that's the thing like they they can't learn what how you feel after letting go if you never let go and so you know they'll learn that you know and Ethan did this as well and you know he'll he'll talk about it quite openly now and I think he might have I don't think we did talk about his artwork much when we did our podcast episode together, but he he will sort of say now, you know, I don't it, – it was tough at the time, but I'm really glad that you made me do it because I learned how to do it and now I can manage it myself and I can make my own decisions without um, the anxiety of wondering what's going to happen because he knows what happens. He knows what happens when he's upset about letting go of something and he still lets go of it. And then how it feels a week later and a month later and a year later, he knows all of that. And so that's why, you know, like you said, they, they have to go through this process as, as a learning experience to set them up for better decision-making later in life. And what then about gift artwork? Like I, I have, my kids will still make me things, which I feel like is a different category. So it's not. It is. Yeah, I agree. It's not. When they make, you know, draw a picture, my 
daughter did one on the weekend. She drew something and painted it and wrote my name on it and gave it to me. Now, that I won't give that back to her to then make a decision on whether it's kept or not because she's given that to me. So that mm. becomes mine. Have you got any ideas about how how we manage the art that's gifted to us? <laughs> Are you saying help me, Tara? Um, um, because well, they I do. Have a, yeah. What do you do? I have. I have a suitcase and that sounds like it's massive, but it's not. It's like a little, it's a decorative suitcase um, that sat on a, sits on my bookshelf and it was purely for decorative purposes. And then I was like, there's a big cavernous section in there that could be full of something. (laughs) Something, So that's where I keep, and that's where it goes with the same, like with Mother's Day cards or, you know, if the kids ever um, made me like a, hand-painted bookmark or something I've Mm. got plenty of those so I Mm -hmm. have more bookmarks than I have books to read so some of them have gone in there but again that's kind of my limit and I'm getting close to the point where it's like oh I don't know if I can cull that stuff I might just have to find a better way of storing them yeah a bigger suitcase (laughs) but yeah Yeah, yeah. and that's that's exactly it so the stuff that becomes yours the, the the cards and the like yeah, the bookmarks and I've, I've got like a little bead key ring thing um, that my kids made me at some point and those kinds of things, they become yours and so you need to, I think, a different place to store those and that would be your own memorabilia box or your own treasures box or memories box or whatever it is you want to call it and I think a box is, you know, the one of the best places for that and I've done exactly the same as you. I've got a box of... Um, things that are my memorabilia that my kids made for me or gave to me and they'll never get them back they're always well when I die they'll <laughs> they'll find them <laughs> well I'm actually thinking that if we use this um coffee table book solution for our kids artwork that might they might be the testers and if I'm really happy with how it comes back I might even look at doing some of it with the stuff they've gifted me oh yeah so yeah. with some of the card because even the fact, like, it's all in this suitcase. I don't ever pull it out and go through it. I just keep adding to it. So I wonder if um, maybe turning it into a book, maybe uh, now that my youngest has turned 10, maybe I cut it off at 10. All the things that either of them have given me in the first 10 years of their life goes into the first book, you know. That's and then idea. maybe I start everything from this point, which will be, you know, keep everything from when Sienna turned 10 and from this point for Maddie for the next 10-year mummy mm. gifts book or whatever. I'm trying to come up with some solutions around that because, again, it becomes something – and, I mean, we had a flood incident with our house a few years ago where we were away on holidays. It dropped to minus 8 in Canberra two nights in a row and we hadn't left our heating on and the there are pipes that run through our ceiling with um, water that go from the mains water to our hot water system and they froze cracked the copper pipes and the water when it defrosted during the day started leaking into our roof and eventually the whole kitchen ceiling collapsed and about a week later my neighbor rang me and said oh she'd been picking up my mail and she said we've got a big puddle in our backyard and we've figured out it's coming from your backyard. Oh. Do you think you left a tap on? And then eventually she's like, oh, no, it's coming out from underneath your front door. Oh, that's <laughs> horrendous. Anyway, so the whole house was about five to ten centimetres deep in water oh. and had been for a week. So it meant anything that was on the floor was ruined. Was ruined. Mm. Um, 
Long story short, so far off topic, but it's that whole idea of paper stuff and it's how fragile it can be and that if it's not stored properly, and I guess that's why I like the idea of condensing some of these things into a book version that then I could keep with, I could keep them on the coffee table or I could keep it with photos if there was a fire, if there was a flood. It's one of those things that you can easily grab a lot quicker than I could lug down boxes of artwork and take them with me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like that idea. I think the digital... The digital backup system is also a good a good thing to have if you've got photos of stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's why I like having photos of the kids' things, just in case I accidentally throw away something that, you know, they they still want to look at again. That digital version means that, you know, they it won't, you won't have the original, but they can still get their warm fuzzies and the same feeling from looking at the thing as the um, this as the original. Okay, so hopefully we have given you a few handy hints and tips and tricks about how to manage your kids' artwork. We would love to hear as well what you do, what you currently do or what you're thinking of trying. So please come and join us in our Facebook community. Have a chat there and share some pictures and some stories with our community. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.